What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Wednesday, July 15th. I'm Akila Hughes. And I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is What a Day, wishing you a happy summer tax day. Yeah, and if you forgot, that's fair. <laughs> we don't usually do it this time. There are some other things going on, too. It's okay. <laughs> on today's show, we talked to science journalist Ed Young about the pandemic, then some headlines. All right. So yesterday we talked about how the White House has been, you know, seeking to publicly undermine Dr. Anthony Fauci. You know, they got op-eds, bad political cartoons. We're living in the dumbest timeline. Meanwhile, Fauci continues to serve on the coronavirus task force and has continued to attend meetings at the White House, including one on Monday in the West Wing with Trump's chief of staff. Yeah. And on Tuesday, there was new reporting that the Trump administration is now asking hospitals to send data on COVID-19 patients directly to them at the health department and not the CDC, the country's leading infectious diseases agency, raising some concerns that there could be efforts to misuse the information for political purposes or withhold it. So we'll likely get into that a little bit more later down the road. But these are just two examples in the past two days that fit into a bigger story about the United States' failure to deal with the pandemic and the pressures facing public health officials at every level who are working to fight it, now several months in, with budgets and departments that were under-resourced to begin with. It's a topic that Ed Yong, science writer at The Atlantic, has been reporting on as well. We talked to Ed back in April about the virus, so we thought it would be a good time to check in with him again. His latest story is called The Pandemic Experts Are Not Okay. Ed, thank you so much for coming back to the show. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Okay, so I want to start with your most recent reporting that is about burnout among public health officials. Mm -hmm. We talked to a couple of the people you spoke to for this story, Dr. Saskia Popescu, an epidemiologist in Arizona, and Nicolette Lewis-Saint, who runs a nonprofit called Healthcare Ready that makes sure communities have good access to medical supplies. Here's a little bit of what they said. You know, somebody said recently to me, oh, you must just be loving this. And it's like, well, it's it's fascinating to get to experience what you've been training and educated on for most of your life. But at the same time, it's absolutely horrific to watch and to work in. And nobody trains you for that. Nobody trains you and tells you how horrible it's going to be working in it, living in it, um, seeing you know people around you die and be so severely impacted by this. People are getting demoralized. And, and some of it is when you are dealing with the evidence every day and you are seeing the evidence um, and it seems so obvious to you that these are the things that we all need to do. It, it is hurtful even to think that you are working this hard and sacrificing so much of yourself and pouring so much of yourself into something. And there's evidence. It's not that you're doing it and you're saying like, just trust me, there's evidence and people are still not doing it. And it's as if your sacrifice is unnoticed and unappreciated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a, a lot to unpack there. So what made you want to actually seek this out and report on this particular aspect of the pandemic? So I'm always interested in how um, difficult times affect the people who are 
trying to address um, those times. So I, I've got a history of writing about, you know, the mental health of people who work on, say, coral reefs or who try and avert um, animal extinctions. And so um, when this pandemic happened, one really obvious question to me was, how are the people who are um, on the front lines of it coping? And I think that we've heard a lot about um, the conditions that doctors and nurses, um, you know, healthcare workers in hospitals have faced. But there's also this other group of people who work in public health, people who um, are are tasked with making sure that viruses don't spread among entire communities, safeguarding the health of entire populations, um, who have been working nonstop since the start of this pandemic. Um, they have been my sources for many stories. And they're very used now to sharing their expertise, but much less used to, to talking about themselves. And I wanted to find out how they're handling it. Um, and, you know, the answer is, as we have heard, not well. Uh, you know, all of them, to be clear, um, every person I've spoken to has been very, very adamant that um, they have it less bad than healthcare workers um, on the front lines, than a lot of people who've lost their jobs, who've lost their loved ones. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that a lot of them are also struggling, that they're finding this a massive emotional and mental burden um, that seems to have no sign of letting up. Right. I also noticed that, you know, you spoke with a lot of women working in public health for your story. And so when you were talking to them, you know, you found some extra challenges that they are facing. What were some of those, if you could you know, speak on that? Yeah, so uh, I think they shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone. Um, you know, uh, people in public health in general um, are facing a lot of pushback because this pandemic, like so much else in America, has become so politically polarised. Um, but um, women in this field in particular and women of colour on top of that um, mm -hmm. are facing um, this kind of vitriol in, in, to, to an extreme degree. Um, so they are facing um, harassment. A lot of them are facing threats. Um, they are fa they their quest their character their expertise is being called into question in a way that it simply wouldn't be if they were men. You know, a lot of them used right. to just um, chat with their own colleagues in their own fields, and now they have massive followings on Twitter. They're on the news all the time, mm -hmm. um, and that service of communicating um, of sharing your expertise is not rewarded in the world of academia. It's not rewarded in the sciences by universities. And instead of rewarding it, a lot of these folks are in fact getting threatened, getting harassed for it. You know, is that the type of situation that we want to leave for the people who are actually trying to help us all right now? I hope not. Right. Right. It's like we were, you know, people are trying to do their best to help in any way. And we're, they're still being pushed back. I'm like, just take the help. Right. Just take I mean, it. you know, it's why like, are you so averse to being helped? Yeah. I, I said um, to a friend recently, um, you know, these folks are, are sh they, they already feel like they're shouting into the void. And the mm -hmm. void is sending them horrible messages in their DMs. <laughs> the void shouts back. The void yeah. is shouting back and, and the void is making no sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we, we don't like the void. Um, but to the point of the 
pandemic more broadly. Last time we spoke at the end of April, some states were just starting to lift restrictions. You said that we could end up in a situation not all that different from where we actually were in February and March because we hadn't adequately addressed testing and tracing and hospital capacity issues. And now that we're in July, wouldn't you know it, uh, we're facing the pandemic the way that it currently is right now. So would you say that that's exactly what is happening? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think the, the the truly tragic thing about what is happening now is that it was both preventable and predictable. Um, mm-hmm. And it was clear that if the country rushed to reopen too early, and if it went too far with reopening, that it would create conditions in which the virus, which had not been suppressed, would rage out of control. And, you know, like like we've already heard, there's no... You know, there's no valor or comfort in being right about this. Like, um, you know, Dr. Lusan said this to me when I interviewed her, that preparedness is actually a horrible thing to think about because you're constantly imagining all the worst possible outcomes, um, which which just kind of sucks. That's an awful headspace to be living in for a long time. And it's mm-hmm. even worse when your predictions then turn out to be right. Because now, yeah. because now people like her are in a position where she's looking at what's going on, imagining the worst outcomes for two, three, four months down the line, and really thinking, maybe I'm also going to be right about that, which is, again, really horrible. Yeah. That is so draining. Right. Um One last question for you, uh, and it's sort of uh, getting at this point of like, are we looking at data points or are we looking at something that is a trend or something that could be constituted as kind of a fact about this in the future? So there are thousands of people who say that they have long-term COVID symptoms. We're Mm -hmm. talking 60 and 90-day illnesses, which you've written about as well. Do you think that we have a lot more to learn about the longer-term effects of this disease? Yeah, absolutely. I, that feels pretty unquestionable to me. You know, the mm. the exact number of these long haulers who've had symptoms for going on months now, I think is still unknown. I'm mm-hmm. absolutely confident that it's definitely in the thousands. It's it's mm. almost certainly in the tens of thousands, just by the by the sheer numbers of people in the various support groups who are not getting help. Um, yeah. Is it higher than that? Is it the hundreds of thousands? I, I don't know. That actually wouldn't surprise me. Um, but it's it feels like this is a massive question that we still don't um that we still aren't truly grappling with you know the fact that i can't tell you how many there are is is an issue the fact that i'm not even sure whether there are um the kinds of rigorous surveys that would give you a number is an issue and in the meantime a lot of these folks um are really still suffering um mm. And I think this is a huge and still largely untold story about the pandemic. Um, You know, I think that if, I think a lot of people who fancy themselves invincible because they are young might think differently about their choices if they knew that other young, previously fit, previously healthy people are looking at medium to long-term disability um, because of this disease. And, it's, and even even if they get the so-called mild version of the disease, that doesn't end up with them hooked up to a ventilator. There are um, more studies coming out about some of the long-term consequences. They tend, um, as far as I'm aware, to focus on people who've been in hospital and then they've been discharged and sort of following that up in the long term. 
that's great. We absolutely need that information. My point is that there are a ton of people who have never been admitted to hospital who are also going through the same things and whose lives have been completely upturned and destroyed by this virus. And, you know, I know they exist. I have tried to tell their stories. I don't know how many they are and I don't know why they, rather than anyone else, is going through this Um, And I don't know if people are trying to find out is probably the thing that worries me most. Right. Well, Ed, thank you so much again for taking the time today. And, you know, thank you for helping us through the latest on what we know and what we still do not know about all this. Uh, Thanks for talking to me. I always appreciate it. That was Ed Young, science reporter at The Atlantic. Definitely check out his latest story on public health experts along with the rest of his reporting. Wednesday Wad Squad. And for today's Temp Check, we're talking about a new White House-backed campaign with some helpful and not at all meaningless advice for 18 million out-of-work Americans. It's called Find Something New. (laughs) The face of the campaign is Ivanka Trump, who, as we know, built herself up from nothing. And it's supposed to raise awareness about career training programs that serve as an alternative to two or four years of college. Uh, So now, Giddy, this rollout totally sucked. Why was it so infuriating? Yeah, I mean, they had like a couple examples that were sort of like these nice success stories of people that like, you know, did something else and were able to do it. And and I think that's great. And I'm very, very happy that people are employed and having those opportunities to have jobs and and do things. But yeah, I mean, the notion that, uh, you know, you can paper over a massive and worsening problem by saying, uh, hey, maybe, you know, go out there and be an entrepreneur and, you know, really try to pull your bootstraps up and get that new job it's just it yeah, utterly whatever money you have left from that stimulus check <laughs> you can yeah. try to be an upstart fucking entrepreneur that is wild Ugh. yeah yeah it, it, it seems like completely missing the point entirely but you know if um if Ivanka Trump wants to go to a, a two-year vocational college or something like that, like God bless her, like go right ahead. You know, wouldn't yeah, wouldn't it doesn't me. have to be a campaign for her to just go do it and be quiet. Like she yeah. could go get really good at welding, like you said. But it it just seems like it it misses the reason why none of us have jobs. Like what <laughs> the jobs are they didn't just leave and we're not looking for something else. Like no one's telling basketball players to go get <laughs> to go try something new. They're coming up with solutions for them. So it's just, it's very stupid. Hi. Hey, well, it felt good to get that out. And just <laughs> like that, our tips have been checked. Stay safe. We'll check in with you all again tomorrow. What a day is brought to you by Viori. Viore Performance Apparel makes the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift. Everything is designed to work out in, but it doesn't look or feel like it. And they're incredibly comfortable and cute and just the perfect thing to wear when I'm working from home or out and about, mostly at home because I'm not out and about. Yeah, yeah. I will say I did not know clothes could be 
This is, I'm being dead honest. I did not know clothes could be as comfortable as they are before I had Viore. Yes. Clothes can be so comfortable. Nobody told me. Smooth like butter. Soft. They're so good. On the skin. I, I just love living in Viore. Viore is offering What A Day listeners 20% off your first purchase when you go to viore.com slash wad. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash wad. And enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. What a day is brought to you by Monarch Money. Are you saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation? Monarch makes it easy to help you reach your financial goals. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, your investments, transactions, and more all in one place. You can create custom budgets, track your progress towards financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. Really just makes it easy. After trying out Monarch for yourself, you'll understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash wad. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash wad for your extended 30-day free trial. What a Day is brought to you by Ramp. We are all looking for ways to simplify our finances. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that true? Or <laughs> tax week? Man. That is why there's Ramp. Ramp is a corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. Two things we love to do. Love that. With Ramp, you are able to issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Wow. This is huge. Yeah. Ramp is super easy to use. Get started and start making payments in less than 15 minutes. And now get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash wad, ramp.com slash wad, R-A-M-P dot com slash wad. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank, members FDIC, terms and conditions apply. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Former Veep and presumptive Democratic nominee Joe Biden announced a new, more progressive proposal to address climate change. In the plan, $2 trillion would go to investing in clean energy and rebuilding infrastructure to be more climate friendly. The goal is to have carbon pollution-free power plants by 2035 and to reach net zero carbon emissions by 2050. So these goals were recommendations from a joint task force created by Biden and Senator Bernie Sanders to help bridge the gap between progressives and moderates within the party. Varshni Prakash, a member of that task force and co-founder of the Sunrise Movement, said the proposal addressed many of her group's past criticisms of Biden's previous climate change plans. The new proposal is the second step of Biden's economic agenda that he's calling Build Back Better. If it sounded less like be best, I would not be mad. Britain announced yesterday that it will ban Chinese technology giant Huawei from its new 5G network. Up until now, Huawei has been the country's largest provider of wireless towers and masts. Relations between the UK and China have been rocky since China imposed a controversial national security law in Hong Kong. Earlier this month, Prime Minister Boris Johnson offered a path to citizenship to Hong Kong residents, which China wasn't happy about. The new ban also calls for the removal of existing Huawei equipment in the UK, which will add major costs and would significantly slow down the rollout of 5G networks in the country. Mm. The Trump administration will not push to require international college students to take in-person classes if they want to keep their visas in a major reversal of a policy it proposed earlier this month. ICE thought students shouldn't be in the country if their classes were all online. They just didn't think the college experience would be complete if you couldn't catch COVID from your cute TA. ICE's move to abandon the policy came after it was hit with a lawsuit from Harvard and MIT, which claimed the policy was illegal and would disrupt the lives and academic pursuits of their international students. Harvard and MIT were backed up by hundreds of universities, plus 20 state attorneys general who also challenged the guidance in court. 
The federal government will now revert to a more flexible policy for March. Hit me up if anyone wants to meet on the quad for a socially distanced hacky sack. It's really hard and honestly not fun. Accurate. Um, <laughs> the so-called Trump of the tropics, a.k.a. the Brazil nut J.R. Bolsonaro, has COVID-19 and is extremely bored after his personal quarantine day seven. President Bolsonaro's home country of Brazil has the second largest outbreak in the world, undoubtedly helped along by his own COVID denialism. Now, the effects of the pandemic seem to have hit home, with Bolsonaro describing his own self-quarantine as, quote, horrible and as something he, quote, can't stand. If nearly two million sick Brazilians can't convince him that this is serious, maybe 70 straight hours in the same free T-shirt from a radio station will. <laughs> to make matters worse for Bolsonaro, when he took a much-needed walk outside his home, one of the large birds that lives on the grounds pecked him. It was a rea, which is similar to an ostrich, and it knew exactly what it was doing. Flightless birds want us to stay inside. Another thing we can learn from them is if you forget your mask, you can bury your own head underground. Sounds good to me. And those are the headlines. Before we go, we've got an update on Crooked's Adopt-A-State program. If you don't know, Adopt-A-State is a way to protect and get out the vote in battleground states this fall. I adopted Florida. Last week, the first call to action emails went out, and it looks like Team Florida raised over $40,000 to register voters virtually. So it does kind of look like my team is the best team. Hmm. As a member of Team Wisconsin, we cannot let this stand, and we won't. Uh, Crooked will be sending new calls to action every week via email, so keep checking your email and getting those actions done. And if you haven't already signed up, it's not too late. Go to votesaveamerica.com slash adopt to join. That's all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe. Leave us a review. Don't peck us if you're an emu or a rea and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just articles in Brazilian newspapers about Raya attacks like me, <laughs> What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Akila Hughes. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and remember, remember to, to build, build back, back better. better. But... <laughs> what a Day is a Crooked Media production. It's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis. Sonia Tun is our assistant producer. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our senior producer is Katie Long. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25.
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 